Thank you all for being here. It's gone seven o'clock, so it's about time we had an argument in this lecture theatre. You've had far too much of people telling you things that they all agree on today. So um, I'm delighted to say that two of us will be arguing for you, and hopefully with you. No, we're not. <laughs> oh, yes, no, sorry, wrong season for that. Um, this is Colin Wilson. Colin is um, wearing a nifty pair of purple trousers, which I want to acknowledge from the start, um, and say that he is a ridiculously overqualified scientist who builds stuff that goes to Venus and Mars. Um, and so I don't know why I'm up against him, really. Um, what we're going to argue about is about Mars itself. And in particular, we want to argue about whether we should send humans to Mars and colonize the place as fast as possible. So the motion, seeing as this is Oxford, um, is that this house believes um, that we should colonize Mars as quickly as possible. And in 23 minutes or so, we will ask you all to vote on that and decide whether I'm better than Colin, to decide whether we should go to Mars as soon as possible. Um, I'm going to speak in, in favour and talk for about six minutes uh, and try and convince you that we should all go to Mars. Colin will then argue that um, the boring path is better uh, and that we should perhaps be more careful, and then we'll, we'll open it up to a discussion. The reason we should go to Mars is that it's basically the most interesting place in the solar system. It's a much smaller planet than Earth, but it has as much land as Earth does. Of course, it doesn't have any oceans, so there's plenty of it to explore. And it's a place with the highest mountain in the solar system, uh, Olympus Mons, which is so tall it sticks out into space, which incidentally makes it a brilliant place to put an observatory. Uh, but it also has the biggest canyon system uh, in the solar system, in the Valles Marineris, uh, and it has seasons. It has polar caps that grow and then melt as the year goes on. Um, and it has weather. It has dust storms. Occasionally has clouds. Uh, and in many ways, it's a planet much like our own. The rest of the solar system is either weird blobby gas giants um, or things like Mercury and Venus, which are too hot to be comfortable. So Mars is the ideal destination if we're going to go beyond our own planet. Scientifically, it's particularly important that we explore Mars. I think the question that we're interested in more than anything else in astronomy is whether we as living beings are unique in the solar system, or, or indeed unique in the universe. Um, and to understand that, we need to understand the odds that life gets started in the first place. It used to be that the thing we didn't understand uh, about life in the universe was whether there were any homes for it, whether there are any planets that were suitable for life. But we now know that almost every star you look at in the night sky has a planet. And so the big question is, if you have a planet that's suitable for life, will life get started? And Mars is a perfect test case. We know, thanks to the Curiosity rover, just in the last year, that it had the conditions that you need for life. It had large oceans of water that may have persisted for many millions of years. Those oceans were made of water you could drink. Not acidic water, not alkali water, but water you could pick up and drink. And it also has what the curiosity scientists rather wonderfully call schnapps, uh, which are the elements you need. Sulfur, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, and phosphorus, which are the basic building blocks of all of the chemistry that builds us up. So Mars had, in the early solar system, before it lost a lot of its atmosphere and lost its water, uh, had all the conditions that we need for life. And the quest, scientific question is whether 
life did develop there. And you'll know, I think, that we've got robot probes wandering around on the surface trying to answer this question. Curiosity, the most recent of them, is a nuclear-powered laser-wielding robot, which is quite exciting. But if I worked at the same rate that Curiosity does, I'd be sacked instantly. Robots are pretty stupid. I'm going to regret saying that. They're going to come and kill me. But <laughs> robots, at least robots that we sent to Mars, are pretty stupid. They work incredibly slowly, and there's a reason for that. If you're a machine, and you're running machine learning in your brain, you have to be incredibly cautious. So curiosity on a good day travels about this far, which isn't very impressive. Curiosity on a good day picks up one rock and looks at it, which isn't very impressive. Whereas the Apollo astronauts, when they were on the moon, they did more work than the entire robotic. They took more pictures, they gathered more samples, and they did better science than the rest of the robotic exploration fleet put together. And humans, of course, have that ability to be distracted. If I tell a robot to go to that rock and look at it, it will do so. If I tell a human to do that and they notice something interesting over here, they immediately get distracted. Not you lot, you're all paying careful attention, I know, because the vote for this is in your hands. But humans are able to get usefully distracted. And so the only way to explore a planet as big as Mars, with, think of it, it's got the same land area as the Earth, is to get as many humans there as possible, spread out across the surface, and find out what's there. There's also one other uh, uh, argument. So I've appealed, to your I, I've appealed to your sense of sort of tourist globetrotting. It's a, the views are amazing. I've appealed to your scientific natures. If we want to understand Mars, we have to go there with people. We have to explore. But I also want to appeal to your sense of self-preservation, because I'm sure you all want to keep living, and I want the human race to keep living as well. And at the minute, we've got all our eggs in one celestial basket. We live on a very fragile rock going around uh, the sun. We know that we could get wiped out by an asteroid impact at any time. We could get hit by something the size of, of what killed the dinosaurs. And if you've been following the research, um, after that impact, what really did for the dinosaurs was the fact that the temperature on the surface of the Earth for a period of about 12 hours became approximately that of a pizza oven. This doesn't sound like good news. And our ultimate insurance against that is to go uh, and establish a colony to live as human beings somewhere else. Provide ourselves with insurance by buying another ticket in the cosmic lottery. We're not good at spotting these things. The first asteroid discovered this year, 2014 AA, was a sofa-sized thing that was spotted hitting the Earth's atmosphere uh, just off the coast of West Africa. But that's only the second asteroid in history that we've seen on the way in. Many, many years before uh, we'll be good enough to protect ourselves. So we should just go somewhere else. Let's, let's hedge our bets. And we can do it now. Now, the only thing that stopped us going to Mars until now is a lack of political will. After the Apollo era, after the space race, after the arguments between the Americans and the Russians, the politicians ran out of desire to fund something as interesting and exciting as establishing a colony on Mars. But they no longer have a monopoly on funding space travel. There are companies who are heading to space and will sell you a ticket to Mars. Now, most of them are, not, are talking complete nonsense. But there's one company called SpaceX um, who are already ferrying... Uh, cargo to and from the space, International Space Station, who are going to, in the next couple of years, start taking astronauts into space. And their founder, Elon Musk, 
says that he would like to retire on Mars. And I believe him. I think it will happen in the next 20 to 30 years that for a significant amount of money, maybe the amount you might get from selling up a house in Oxford and putting all your life savings into it, um, we will be able to fly to and choose to live out the rest of our lives on Mars. Um, if that's true, I'll see you at the top of Olympus Mons. Thank you very much. Unless Colin gets in the way, of course. <laughs> no, well, thanks for setting that up. Uh, Chris, Chris set this up lovely. Uh, he, Mars is a very interesting place. It's a great place to explore. It's, uh, it, uh, Mars and the Earth and Venus were probably created around the same time uh, with the same bulk composition. So uh, they, they were created as sister planets, and so that's why it's particularly intriguing to see how these other two planets uh, evolved so differently from, from Earth. And just, just to remind you, Mars, uh, it, it, if you take pictures on the surface, it looks very much like Earth. Uh, it looks like uh, an Earth desert. It's sort of dusty and rocky, a bit yellow, a bit red, um, uh, no life. But it's actually very cold, uh, and it's got a very low atmospheric pressure, about 100 times less than what you find on Earth. So it's not very easy. It's not a great holiday destination. It's not like the Balearic Islands or something. But... Um, and the other thing about Mars is that it hasn't changed much at all since it was first created. Now, on Earth, we can't see many remnants of the early history of the Earth. The oldest rocks we can find are, let's see if there are any geologists in the audience, but I believe about three and a half billion years old. So that's about a billion years after the Earth was first created. So we don't have any record of what happened in that for those first billion years of Earth's, uh, of Earth's history, except for indirect things, like we can look at the, the, the traces of isotopes and, and trace elements. But on Mars, we can find all those things, because Mars has been inert for a long time. It doesn't have forests. It doesn't have oceans which have washed things away so much. I mean, you have a bit of a dust cycle which has moved things around, but there's a lot more ancient terrain on Mars than there is on Earth. So if we want to look at what, find, what happened in the first billion years on Mars, uh, Mars is, is the best place to look for that rather than the Earth. And um, as Chris mentioned, one of, the, one of the most interesting things is how did life evolve? I mean, we can say what are the probabilities life would evolve on Mars. I mean, what, how, how uh, ludicrously small is that chance? But the same chances apply to Earth. You know, what are the chances life sh should have evolved on Earth? It's, it's, it's incredibly unlikely proposition. But something happened, and Mars and Earth originally would have had a very similar sort of composition. A lot of uh, carbon dioxide and water in the atmosphere. And, uh, and so how far along the path to life did Mars get? Did, the, did we have amino acids form on Mars? We found amino acids in meteorites, which are hurtling around the solar system, so it can't be that impossible to make them. Um, did simple sort of carbohydrates and then sugars ever ever get formed on Mars? Did early did small bacteria ever get formed on Mars? These are all possibilities, which of course the robotic explorers are looking for. Yes, we could explore a bit more of the terrain if we had humans and rovers, perhaps uh, on Mars. Then we could certainly uh, go further in our cars than we can with, the, with these unmanned rovers, but um, not not vastly not vastly so. And the other thing is, if you're looking for traces, not only of living bugs, but even of dead bugs, um, the last thing you want to do is have, have people out one side of your space station looking, uh, looking for faint traces of life, in, in, while on the other side, you're dumping your um, soil and waste uh, onto the surface on the other side. 
Uh, you might find traces of it on your gloves and so on. And, and probably the last thing you need is, is the, um, the people who set up the Big Brother program, doing, doing a reality show, sending uh, members of the public to Mars, um, who then need to decide what to do with their waste in, a, in an environmentally responsible fashion. So if you can look for, for life on Mars, the last thing you need is, is big, complex human colonies of, of, uh, of, uh, set up on Mars. Now, I hate to be a killjoy, <laughs> but <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're here for. But, uh, I mean, I'd like to see in the long-term Mars colonization first, but these are questions about our very existence which we should, which we should answer first. And um, I think we just need to have a very careful system in place to make sure that we don't contaminate Mars before we uh, look for life and, and destroy the very evidence which we are seeking to find. So if I've used up my time, should we...? Yeah, we should ask for thoughts and questions. But before they jump in, can I ask about this contamination? Come and sit down. Be more friendly if we sit down. All right, go and sit over there. Fine. What are they for? Just if I really disagree with okay, you. Okay, fine. Or if I well, you're deviating, well, look, on, I'll on, say this. On this contamination issue, yeah. isn't it too late? We've already, we know that we think that microbes can survive long uh, trips in space. We know the Russians who landed lots of probes all unsuccessfully on Mars in the 60s and 70s didn't de decontaminate their satellites. So aren't there already colonies of a little communist bacteria spreading out across the red planet? <laughs> uh, for, well, if it were that simple, uh, you could also, you could equally say, ah, oh, well, there have been some leaks of radioactive material from Fukushima. Hey, we might as well just contaminate everything. <laughs> let's, just, let's just throw uranium out there. Just because it was done in the past doesn't make it right. Okay. But it's not a pristine environment, was my point. Uh, there are some bits where contamination may exist. Okay. Yeah. 